Welcome to another episode of the New Vision Podcast. Have a great show in store for you again today. I will be speaking with Jamaican artist and interior decor creator Simone Williams. You can stay tuned for that uh, conversation a little bit later in the show. Now let's get into it. The first story I want to focus on in this week's episode was an interesting one I came across actually on SoundCloud. And this is a podcast released a couple days ago by the ILO, which is the International Labour Organization. And they are talking about the natural world providing enormous opportunities for creating jobs and stimulating economic development. And they've stated that more than half of the world's GDP approximately 44 trillion is moderately or highly dependent on nature. Now, firstly, I didn't know that the overall GDP of the world was around just under 90 trillion. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but they also go on to say that some 1.2 billion jobs in sectors such as tourism, farming, fisheries, forestry, and other areas depend on the effective management and sustainability of healthy ecosystems. And with the hurricanes and the yearly storms and hurricanes that we do experience in the, in the Caribbean, we would know that better than most in terms of the vagaries of nature and the variability of, of life in general and our economies, how, 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 how very um, directly impacted they can be by nature. Um, so it's really critical that the natural world be taken into account and be placed at the forefront in order for us to be able to develop economically because if if we are dealing with severe climate change issues and those are not addressed in a tangible way um, those are going to impact every single economy in the world but especially small island states such as ours just from the current COVID-19 pandemic you can see the, the different crises this has had both in terms of economically speaking, as well as um, if persons are having to deal with lockdowns and um, so on, the mental issues that that can cause. And I actually was seeing something last week on the the fact that I think it was 20% of people affected by COVID-19 have mental illness within, I think it was three months. So that that's uh, very concerning, um, whether that is correlation or cause not sure. I guess the data in, in the fullness of time might, might show that link. Um, but definitely we need to ensure that policymakers in our neck of the woods, as well as globally, are exploring natural or putting at the forefront nature-based um, solutions and stuff that will have to be integrated fully with climate change and sustainable development. I'm so interested in hearing what you think on this topic. Um, I'll definitely link to the podcast in the podcast description for this show. And I definitely think you should, you should check that out. Very interesting and informative um, podcast. And it's only 22 minutes, so it's not going to take too long for you to, to get through. Um, so happy to hear your feedback on this story. The second story I want to focus on this week is with the WHO. They have recently announced a new council on the economics of health for all, uh, which is going to be staffed by leading economists and health experts to put health for all at the front and center of how we think about value creation and economic growth. 
Now, intrinsically, as individuals, we all know that without health, there can be no wealth because we're, we're going to be dead. So health has to be the, the foundation of everything else. And I'm going to quote from the WHO Director General. He says, the COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated the consequences of chronic underinvestment in public health. But we don't just need more investment. We must also rethink how we value health. And I'm going to mention a quote from someone else as well, which is Professor Mazzucato. And I think this really speaks to my thoughts of where we need to go globally in the Caribbean and as individual nations um, throughout the world, really. We're living through multiple crises, economic, climate, and health-related. If we continue to patch up the system each time, we will always be one step behind. I'm thrilled to work closely with Dr. Tedros on a proactive health for all economic agenda to shape our economies so they truly have well-being and inclusion at the center of how we create value, measure it, and distribute it. And that really spoke to me. I, I think that what we measure, because in, in the previous podcast, I would have spoken to data expert and um, guru, I guess you can say, Raquel Seville. And what we choose to measure has a big relation to what we value. That's one. And two, how we're going to measure progress. So when we just measure or when we focus overwhelmingly on GDP numbers, that can miss quite a lot in terms of development, externalities, and otherwise. Um, in terms of public health, I personally believe healthcare should be a right. It doesn't make sense to me how come in the richest country in the history of the world, citizens are unable to access healthcare as a right, rather than having to go through all these co-pay deductibles, different plans, and different things, um, which my sisters who live up there um, try to explain to me, but I don't quite get it. But um, I will be interested to, to hear your thoughts on this story. Um, I, think, I don't think we can go back to doing things and, and, and business as it was. I, I've heard quite a few people, um, well-meaning, I'm sure, to, saying about going back to um, 2019, because um, this year was bad so far for, for many of us. But I don't think we can do that. I don't think we can go back to 2019. Even if your personal circumstances were very good in 2019, 2018, 2017, I, I don't think as a global society, we can go back to doing things as normal. Um, if, if you go through a crisis and you're just the same as before, then it, it really, you've not grown at all as a person or as a nation or as a, as a world. So um, interested in hearing what your thoughts are on this um, story. Um, you can leave your voice messages through the Anchor app or you can get in touch with us via Instagram or Twitter. Spotlight of the week. This week, I want to place this spotlight on 
investing and building an investing culture in the Caribbean. Now, I don't know whether for many of you listening, you would have learned about investing in primary or secondary school, but it's certainly not an area that was ever addressed um, to me, um, far less uh, talking about starting a business or anything of that nature. Um, but in terms of investing, we need to do a much better job of building a culture of investors in the Caribbean region. I, I would say one of the premier problems I had seen um, in my time over the last 20 years, um, it may be changing uh, quite a bit now, but was having a very risk-averse um, culture in, in general in terms of what we would invest in. Um, so, well, I guess for the Caribbean, blue chip stocks might be insurance companies or banks or what have you. Um, having a willingness to invest outside of that in, in terms of a um, person's perception of what they would invest in, um, I, I found to be quite conservative. But from an educational and school perspective, I think it's very important to focus on it at that point because that, that's where you can, can build up that, that mindset of investing. Uh, of course, the governments and um, persons um, on the different boards that are responsible for the various stock markets throughout the region have to do a better job of making it easier to invest. Um, I would have spoken on a previous podcast on why is it so difficult to invest in um, mutual funds or the stock market in general online? Why, why do we have to call a broker and go through that whole process? But I think that's definitely something that could be worked on from the institutional level. Um, but we definitely have to do a better job of building that investment mindset and that investment culture among our people, given the trends specifically for Barbados might be slightly different in other places. But if you want to retire at the traditional age, which you think of retirement, 65, 67, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to do that with any degree of comfort if you're relying purely on government uh, pensions or um, social uh, benefits of some kind when you hit that retirement age. So in our own self-interest as um, public institutions uh, from the government side, uh, they should be focusing on that because otherwise persons will be retiring and I don't want to say living in squalor, but not living in, in a great degree of comfort either. And um, secondly, too, is the fact that if we had a, a better investment culture among our people, it would bring new funds to the table in terms of businesses we have, not just the bigger businesses that are already listed on the various stock markets, but allowing some of those SMEs to graduate into being bigger size um, corporations and, and potentially being able to scale up and um, bring in the much heralded and much talked about foreign exchange. So this is something I think that we need to look at as a region. I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts because I know we have a, a diverse Caribbean. So maybe from where you are, um, from where you are living, things are very much different to what I've just said. So let me know your thoughts and feedback through the Anchor Voice Messages feature or get in touch um, via Instagram or Twitter as well. 
Today I'm joined by Simone Williams, a Jamaican artist and creator of interior decor items. Happy to have Simone join me today. Her and Natalie are quite good friends. Hi Simone, how, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good as well. I've heard um, we're talking off here that's been quite bad weather. Has, has that been inspiring any of your work? Since you're being indoors for most of the week? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> so obviously people might not know that are listening, but um, I've been supporting Simone's work maybe for the last three, three, three and a half years. So I guess the first question I want to ask is, I guess might be a, a bit of a cliche, but how has the ongoing pandemic been for both your, your mental wellness as well as in terms of your creativity? The pandemic has actually been great, <laughs> ironically, because mm. it was in the pandemic that I really started my business, my art business, and it really started to grow and I had the time to do what I'm doing now. And um, so overall, more positive than negative for you. So you've turned, I guess, lemons into lemonade. Yes. Um, what, what have you been, what have you started doing in that intervening period? I know you, you mentioned give you a chance to start your business. So tell us a bit about that and how that's been going so far. Okay. Well, before COVID happened, I used to work as an event coordinator and decorator. So because of COVID, events were no longer keeping. And so there were no jobs. Mm. So I was just doing stuff on my own at the time. Of in the beginning of COVID, I was actually building my studio, or I should say, redecorating a room in my house to turn it into my studio. And I started to post everything I was doing because I did a lot of DIY stuff, like I made some shelves, I did a mural on the wall. So I was starting mm, to post. I that. Yeah, I started to post everything online and it was getting a lot of attention. So then when Father's mm. Day was coming up, I decided. I have been painting for a while. I've been painting for years. I used to study fashion, fashion design in college. And that is where I originally mm -hmm. learned that I was good at painting. So I always wanted to be an artist as my career. And I was always afraid to actually go out and do it as a job. So because of COVID, I had the time there was nothing promised and and I literally had nothing to lose because it's not like there was anything going on with my actual nine to five job. So mm -hmm. because of that, I decided to do a few coat paintings for Father's Day with some quotations on them and then put them up for sale, which was in, I think, June. And then people started to request gifts as paintings for father's day so then i did those i put those up and then it started to pick up where other people were requesting paintings from me because they saw that i could paint so that is where it kind of all started and then i ended up quitting my job to pursue art full-time so since then it's just and been, all that and, and all that's happened this all year that has happened this year Hmm. Uh, you fit a, you fit about five years into one then basically yeah basically so this year has definitely been great 
in on my end when it comes to starting starting my art business and having it grow. Mm-hmm. And can you share a bit about how the the process of creating interior decor items differs from the the process of creating paintings? Is it quite similar in terms of how you get inspired to create, or is it very different? Um. Paintings are different because you can paint almost anything and every painting is different. So mm-hmm. when it but when it comes to decor items, you if you're doing like a set of things, for example, a set of coasters or a set of plates or anything like that, you have to create something very similar so that you can see that it's a set. So it's kind of different in the sense where in painting, you're kind of allowed more room for, what would you call it, creativity, or I should say variation, versus decor items where you have to kind of stay in a certain place when it Range, comes to, so to yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, for example, I don't think I'll be painting a nude picture on a pillow to <laughs> sell, you know? So well, wait, well, you never know who, who, what rich connoisseur you might meet that might That is uh, true. Or <laughs> you, you never know. Never so know. can't can't speak to that never happening, but I, I I understand that that would be a rarity rather in 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 painting it would be a bit more free free yeah. wheeling, so to speak. Yeah. Definitely. And um can you highlight a bit of some of the most common misconceptions people can have about what being an artist actually entails that, that you've you've heard quite regularly? Um, they think that, well, first of all, people don't realize how much time is put into creating an art piece. And people also don't know how much it costs to create an art piece because not everybody's an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's not like you can learn it in school, if you understand what I mean. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like where you can go and learn to be a doctor or you can go and learn to be a lawyer. Like it's something that's kind of, it kind of just happens. So a lot of people don't mm-hmm. realize that. So, and also... The question was about artists or creating art. Sorry. Yes, it was about um, what being an artist entails that was involved in the the whole process, um, basically. Yeah, and a lot of people... Some of the misconceptions. A lot of people also think Mm -hmm. it's easy. A lot of people think it's easy and, you know, you can whip this up in two days when really and truly that's not the case at all. You know, a lot of the times behind the scenes, you're stressing out because it's not coming out how you want it to come out. Mm. And a lot of the times as well, as well for me personally, I'm not very good at finishing pieces. As in, if it's a piece I'm doing for myself, I'm not good at mm. finishing them because they're never finished in my opinion, because there's always something you can do better. So. I find I find that's this that's the case for myself as well. Um, not in terms of doing art, I've never <laughs> been any good past um, form one. But um, in terms of creating music, yeah, it's um, hard to ever finish. So yeah. what, what I've found for myself personally is that I tend to do like 
I guess you would call it sketches mm-hmm. in, in the painting side of like I do one or two minute mm-hmm. sketches of outlines of songs, but I don't ever actually finish them. Yeah. If I finish them, then it kind of means that if I will have to say that, I guess what you just said, it's it's over. And yeah, it's hard it's to let go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, given all of that, what, what do you think in terms of pricing, given all the vagaries of how art can, can be done? Um, I know for myself, something could create in, uh, on my side half an hour, an hour mm-hmm. in art. Maybe it might be a day or two, but uh, it could be a very short time or it could be literally something you work and come back to six months later. So how does that um, relate to pricing? Is it to do with the time and effort you spent on a piece or is it just based on like the the cost of the canvas and and the years of toil and skill that you've developed over time? Is it How, how do you price your work? Okay, so me personally, how I price my work, materials is included in the pricing because I have to cover that. Transportation for me because I have to go for the materials, come back home, and then I also deliver whatever I'm doing for my clients. I deliver it to them. So that transportation cost is included. Mm-hmm. And then I have a line that says time and skill. So the time dot it does determine how much it costs because if it's something technical, then it will definitely take way more time than something that's more simple. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're also paying for the time you've spent to get where you are now. Because mm-hmm. if, say, I've been painting for 10 years, you're going to pay for that 10 years that I've been painting for. Even if I can do a piece in a day, you're not paying for that one day. You're paying for the 10 years before that it took mm-hmm. me to get to do it in the time of one day. If you understand what I mean. I definitely understand what you're saying. I think it's a famous quote. I think it's by Picasso mm-hmm. where, where he's basically saying pretty much the, the same thing. can't remember exactly the, the quote, but um, some, someone that doesn't know would have to take those 10 years yeah. to be able to do what you do currently. Exactly. Um, so that's definitely very, very true indeed. Exactly. And um, I just wanted to, 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 to move on to, to some of the biggest challenges. Obviously, this year would have been uh, some of the biggest. Um, you, you've, I guess I don't want to say you've turned the corner because um, the year is not yet complete, yeah. but you've turned what has been um, a misfortune and, and stuff that's affected everyone and, and you've made that into a positive. Yeah. But what have been some of the the biggest challenges you've faced um, so far in your career? Um, the downs, the downtime periods, because with art, there's ups and there's downs in the sense of how much work you're getting. So one month you can get six different commission pieces and the next month you're only getting one. So it's difficult when you have a month where you get six, seven, eight, ten different paintings to do and then you think you're on top of the world Mm -hmm. and then next month, bam, you only get one piece. So when when that time comes around, then that is more challenging there. But also in that time, because mm-hmm. that time for me was August into September. August into September, I never really got much work. But I used that time to do work for myself. So 
Whereas now I haven't had any time to do work for myself because all I've been doing is commissioned mm-hmm. work. So mm-hmm. it's hard. Fi- yeah, good. it's hard financially to not have work in those downtime periods. But at the same time, it's nice to have the time to develop your own creativity. There, there are n- numerous um, jobs that do have that kind of variability in income. Is it a case of having to manage the, you know, the peak times that you have during the year, whether that's four or five or six months or however months that is in the year with the, the down points? Because you, you mentioned that August and September typically can be slow. So is that something you've been doing over the years? or? Well, rem- remember, I technically just started my art, well, full-time just started my art journey in June. So I can't tell you about years of doing it, <laughs> but I can tell you that yes, in the in the times where you have a lot of work, it's good to put away some of the money for the times that you don't have a lot of work. So you need to just balance it mm-hmm. out because you never know what can happen and there can be a month, two months of nothing. So you need to have money put down from when you were on top for when those times come around so you're not on your face. Can it be can that be remedied in a sense in school by that being taught? Because um we learn a lot of things in school like quadratic equations and simultaneous equations and stuff you might never ever use in your life. But um can can something like that be, be taught in terms of financial planning, budgeting, saving, that that kind of thing? I definitely think that that should be something that should be taught in almost every school that you go to. Because that is basic life necessities, yet they don't really teach it in school. And it is a problem that a lot of artists have because it's hard to it's hard to budget your money to where you have a lot of money at one point and then you don't have any money at the next point. But I, honestly, mm-hmm. personally, I think it's really just up to the person to find a way to manage their money to suit them. Mm-hmm and to learn about how to budget their money or to learn about another way to make them money so that when those times come around, they're not in, you know, they're not on their face, as I said. But I th- but it's definitely, so- okay, so for, I have found, it is stereotypical, but it is in a sense true, that artists are floaters. <laughs> so and what, what, does that term, kind, what does that term mean? When the good times are good, like, they're good or no, in the sense of your head is kind of all over the place mm. and it's hard to kind of focus on one thing or it's, um, how would I say it? I don't want anybody listening to this to get offended, <laughs> but like, oh, you know, you just really... No, 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 Sorry? No, I say we're we generalizing a bit because uh, I definitely know that not all artists, because I know a few that are not um, that way that are more. No, yeah, not all if anything, artists. The Sorry? No, I say if anything, um, some of that I know are more on the miserly side. Um, so so not, all, not all artists are that way, but, but I have noticed that um, uh, persons within the arts or within even sports um, can, can be not the best in terms of managing money, but Maybe that's a bit yeah. slightly a stereotype, and maybe it's uh, slightly some truth to that. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know either. Because 
when you think about it, a lot of people may not be good with money. Indeed. But art is probably just, or the art, people who are artists, it's probably easier to say that for them because the the people that I know and me personally, I know that a lot of the times your head is kind of all over the place because mm -hmm. you're somebody that thinks outside of the box. So you're not just seeing something for what it is. You see for more than what it is. So, um, I don't know, but I think a lot of people are actually not good with money. I think you're right. And it's probably maybe to do what, what we might more notice it for artists is because the income is variable, not fixed. Yeah. That might have quite a bit to do with it. Um, so that's very true. If everyone had variable income, I, um, I am pretty certain that many more people will perceive just the average population to be bad with money. Um, I, I think that might yeah. well be what it is, to be honest. Um, but, know, that's um, very true. It might, might well be there. It's just that because I think that's it's all variable income. Obviously, if you're only making the max $1,000 and then you're making $100, you can't really live on that, um, even when you're making yeah. more. But if, say, you're making 10000 yeah a month us and and that was the max and then the lowest was a thousand us it would be kind of different mm -hmm. difficult for for most young people especially not not just artists to budget that effectively i think a lot of people have trouble with that because you might think that ten thousand a month is your new basic income level even though you know from previous experience it isn't but um but i, I just wanted to, to ask about that in, in terms of um the i guess a, a stereotype of artists that have been that's been said for for many a year. Um, I wanted to to mm -hmm. get into to what's been your your most inspirational art exhibit that you, you've seen live so far, and also wanted to ask you about what's been the the weirdest thing that has inspired a, a piece or a, idea for interior decor work. I know on the interior decor side, it's as you said, not not as much free ranging as maybe doing art is, but but um, has has there been any weird things that's inspired art or interior decor, and also in terms of the, um, what was most inspired you, or what been the most inspirational art exhibit or art show you've you've seen live so far? Um, the most inspiring art show I've seen so far was my final year show, not mine personally, but the college that I used to go to, Edna mm -hmm. Manley College of the Visual and Performing Arts, every end of year, the final year students put on a final year art show. So when I graduated, when I was finished my final four years, we all put on an art show and that was really inspiring to me because it was, you're seeing these people come from four years ago and where they come from to where they are now. And some of the work was just absolutely amazing, like breathtaking work. So that has been my most inspirational exhibit. And a weird thing that has inspired work or work that I've wanted to do, I don't know if you call this weird, but like I love nude photography and the human body. So I've always loved, I've always wanted to do a 
collection of nude paintings or like a body study but like even like paintings of <laughs> the vagina i mean that's kind of that's pretty out there but you mm. know stuff like that is what so is that in the works for 2021 then well it depends on if i have any time to do it <laughs> but that would definitely be something i would love to do so that's on the that's on the the to-do list for well probably not gonna get done the last quarter this year but uh, maybe for 2021 yeah 2021 should be hopefully that's the year that i get to do it <laughs> And um, that, that leads me nicely then to that's one of your goals. Um, so are there any other major goals you like to achieve over the next few years? Um, right now, my major goal is to be able to fully support myself doing what I'm doing right now. And my goal, another one is to be the person, at least in Jamaica, where anybody that thinks about art, anybody that thinks about painting, anybody thinks about creative anything being made creatively they think about simone raquel Mm -hmm. i just want to be that artist where anything that you think about that can be painted anything that can be made or created in any way any creative aspect you first think about simone raquel well i think that's a big goal but definitely if you're not dreaming big you're not dreaming big enough exactly (laughs) definitely think that's true and um, just, just finally, one of the last um, things I wanted to ask you, um, w- would there be any initiatives or policies based on your, your experience? Um, obviously, is your first year being a full-time artist, um, but based on your experience being an artist, even if not full-time over the past few years, are there any initiatives or policies you, you like to see implemented in, in schools or society at large to, to help foster art and the the ability of creatives such as yourself to, to make a, a good living? Yes, I would definitely love to see art be encouraged more in schools because a lot of the time schools are, they encourage sciences or business subjects, but they don't really encourage arts and crafts or or technical drawing or any type of art subject to that. So I would love to see schools encourage art careers more even if it's like graphic design or videography or music Mm -hmm. or anything like that it's just not encouraged as much as I think it should be because you like the world without everything artistic will just it it just wouldn't make sense it'd be boring very and we don't realize how much around us has art to do has to do with someone that had to do something artistic or creative to have it made or to have it be where it is at. So I think it definitely should be something that should be more, more done in schools. And um, I, I would add for, for myself, um, coming from a, a family which um, similar to Natalie, who we interviewed uh, on the second episode of, of the podcast, um, a traditional family, quote unquote, so to speak, uh, both of my parents were were uh, uh, academics um, teachers, um, but it's still very much seen as a second class um, thing to do. Like if uh, my father looked down on me pursuing music or being really interested in doing that, 
um, in any real capacity besides a hobby. And um, it still looked as if you can do better, you wouldn't be an artist. And I think that definitely needs to change. Yeah. It has changed, I would say, over the last 10 to 20 years, but it still yeah, needs definitely. to continue changing more because um, I think um, we should recognize out of COVID or otherwise that um, our, our entire economy cannot be based on people just doing a narrow range of things. Um, there's a massive multi-billion dollar sector called the creative sector, whether it's film, whether it's music, whether it's paintings, yeah. whether it's sculpture, whether it is other forms, or I guess ballet, whatever you want to call it, within the creative field. Yeah. Uh, music, of course. is a big sector in terms of intellectual property and, and, and that creative field. So we, we do need to foster that as much as we can. I do know in Jamaica that you guys have the things, the Edna, Edna Manley um, School for, for Creatives, as well as I think a couple yeah. other colleges there, which is which is very good. But you, you are a much bigger country than Barbados. But but that's very good to to hear that you people do have that outlet um, to to go down that that creative, um, innovative side of things, artistic side and. And actually, not be muzzled, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. And finally, I, I just want to make sure that people can find your work and maybe reach out for any commissions they may want to have. Um, you're pretty much, uh, well, I don't say booked up, but you're very busy at the <laughs> moment. But uh, maybe they might be interested in having some commissions. They're only just about a month from Christmas. Um, so where can people find you online? They can find me on Instagram at Simone Raquel Williams, S-I-M-O-N-E-R-A-Q-U-E-L-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S. That's where I'm at right now. Website is coming soon. That's in the works. So once that happens, or you can email me at SimoneRaquelArt at gmail.com. And don't worry, um, I know that that Instagram was a bit long. That link will be in the in the podcast description as long as <laughs> the other places you can find Simone online at. And, um, well, the website is going to be soon. Not sure if that's a 2021 Christmas, oh. um, early New Year surprise. Wait, sorry. My interior page. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I forgot no, about that. No, you forget that. Terrible. That is terrible. Simone Raquel Interiors for interior decor items. Simone Raquel Interiors. That's what it is. S-I-M-O-N-E-R-A-Q-U-E-L-I-N-T-E-R-I-O-R-S. That's another long one. And don't worry, that will be in the podcast description as well. So so you, you don't have to try to write that down quickly. <laughs> Uh, but thank you very much for joining me, Simone. No problem. Looking forward to, to seeing more of your work and featuring more of your work as well on the on the Art Space Caribbean page as well. So people can actually go and check that out on Instagram, Art Space Caribbean. And you can check out Simone Raquel, her interior decor page, as well as her full-time artist page. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you very much, Simone. Until next time. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New Vision Podcast. Of course, you can download every episode on your favorite podcast app on your Apple or Android device. 
And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We would really appreciate your feedback, which you can give us on IG or Twitter, or alternatively, leave a voice note through the Anchor.fm app. Until next time.